This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Literary Briefs episode of Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. And, and I'm Vanessa. Vanessa. Oh, sorry. I jumped the gun. I'm sorry. Um, this is because you've been drinking. <laughs> Not as much as me, but anyway, go ahead. I'm Vanessa Valiente. <laughs> oh Our guest today is Barb Jones. Super excited. Um, the Blood Prophecy. Uh, let's talk about what we're drinking a little bit. I am drinking ginger whiskey and aha. Um, peach and honey. I had to read it because that's where I'm at from a drinking standpoint. I just read the <laughs> Vanessa, what are you drinking? I'm still drinking the Warsteiner, which I will say it's an okay beer. I like German beer, but this one, it's okay. I'll give it three stars. Three stars. <laughs> now we're rating so beers. I'm neutral okay. here. <laughs> Bart, what are you drinking? Blue Moon Belgian White. Awesome. Awesome. So fans can drink along. Apparently not the three star beer though, Vanessa. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and there goes that sponsorship down the drain. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. Cause then we'd have to drink that. So it's cool that it left. Okay. So uh, literary briefs, rapid fire questions. Barb, what is your favorite book of all time? Um, Edith Hamilton's mythology. Ooh. Cool. And why is that your favorite? Um, it's a condensed version of the different Greek gods. Awesome. What is your least favorite book of all time? Oh, he's going to not like me. Um, I didn't like The Plantation from Chris Kuzneski. He's a Tampa author. Oh. Okay. I like his other series, um, the other books in his series. I just didn't like that one for some reason. It just didn't grab me. No, that's fine. No, I trust me. I wasn't judging. I just, I talked to somebody who ha has the same aversion to Pride and Prejudice as I do, because I don't need needle to explain to me for three fucking chapters. Oh, right? I actually, I actually have a friend who does, uh, hates with a passion, Atlas Shrug, and we'll go, every time we would go to the bookstore, she would pick up Ayn Rand's books and stick them in the true crime section at the Barnes and Noble because she says it's a crime that these exist. <laughs> <laughs> to walk away, I'm like, I am not getting like thrown out of the Barnes and Noble because they're moving their merchandise to the wrong section. But yeah, every time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Do you, um, when you're reading, do you finish a book always? Yes. No matter if it's terrible, you'll still finish it? I will still finish it. Oh, I can't Ooh. do that. It's like my life is sucked away. I just can't. I'm like, no, I'm done. I'd throw it, but it's a Kindle, so I just move on. <laughs> I see my, okay, see, this is where I, most of the time I will read them. And the reason why is I've had books surprise me in the last quarter of the book. And I know that that's kind of bad that you have to wait till the end. But sometimes some, you can have some really great endings if you just kind of like push through to the end. I don't know. Is that what drives you to finish it or is there something else? No, I just think it's the author put their heart into it to write it and complete it. And if I purchased it, for example, the least I could do is finish it. And then I will give like a constructive 
review. Hmm. She's a kind soul. She that is a kind good. soul. <laughs> Way kinder than I am. I'm like, and next, I'm done. <laughs> Do you, um, um, Oh my goodness, I just lost what I was going to ask. Oh yes. So do you have to have a happy ending or are you okay with regardless of how the book ends? I am okay with however it ends. I don't have to have a happy ending and I think that just comes from the way I look at life. Um, not everything is going to be a per picture perfect happy ending. But are your books happy endings? No, not always. The children's <laughs> books are Vanessa because we don't want to traumatize children. <laughs> what do you find the most difficult to write when you're writing something what is the most difficult for you to put down on paper are you dialogue or you know scenes like some some people i talk to are very like they can write all the dialogue but then everybody's like are they in a white room by themselves like what we're like what the fuck's happening around them so, or some people write glorious like scenery and they're like, are the characters talking at all? Cause it's cool that you got some mountains back there with blue ridges, but so. Um, it's kind of funny. I would probably say the, probably the sex scenes, the intimate scenes are hard, harder than most. Mm -hmm. Ooh, this reminds me of our good old friend Val who turns red every time. <laughs> and sometimes we just mess with her. We'll be like, hey, Val, look, we got one of your books and we'll read like a line. And she's like, stop it. And she just turns red. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, she has to, she always tells me like, she always feels embarrassed when she's writing where her husband's nearby. And he doesn't even know what she's doing. But the fact that she knows that she's writing a sexy scene and he's nearby, she starts getting yeah. like, She's broken a monitor trying to shut it off when he's walked in the room. And it's hysterical because he doesn't care. He knows she writes it. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what about sex scenes do you feel is difficult or not comfortable or whatever the right word is for? Yeah. Well, I'm not an erotica writer, um, but the scenes can get pretty intense, but I don't want to cross that line. But then, you know, part of it is also like, how much is fact versus, you know, make-believe. Hmm. Well, you it know, depends on what the tale is doing, I suppose. <laughs> exactly, you know, it's like, not everybody can fit in these positions, you know, <laughs> let's be realistic. <laughs> well, do you feel like there's certain words um, that you refuse to use, especially like, I, I always feel like certain people have like a, a list of words. They're like, okay, I'm right. Even if you're not even writing erotica, like you're writing a steamy scene and you're like, no, I'm not going to use the word moist. Or like. Vanessa loves the word moist, that by the way. We so say moist as much as possible. Moist, moist, I moist, on my, moist. on my list to delete, even if it's talking about food, like I don't want the word moist. <laughs> um, I don't really have any words that I don't use. It's, you know, I'll just write with however it feels. So, you know, mm -hmm. if it's carnal sex, obviously it's going to be more carnal-like. If it's mm -hmm. one of those romantic moments, it'll be one of those romantic scenes. Um, I don't have a problem using the words. I just, you know, I want to, the way I write, I want it to be very realistic and relatable to readers. Do you, um, so a lot of authors too that I've talked to uh, use dolls or uh, sketches and stuff to do fight scenes or sex scenes. So there aren't too many arms, legs, penises, whatever the problem is in this, the multiple 
situation because they're they're that throws a person out of a story if you're reading and suddenly the person has like four arms, you know, and you're like, what, how, what? Or how are they grabbing that? Because that would require like ridiculous sticks, you know, you, <laughs> how, do you, how do you approach not having things in the wrong places? Well, it's kind of interesting. I have a friend who's a sex therapist. Not everyone has those. You're lucky. <laughs> so I'm like, you're going to have to help me. We're going to play Twister or something. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I, or I will have um, one of my best friends, he and his wife, you know, they're, they're out there. And, um, you know, I'm like, you got to describe your latest, like, heated moment. You know, and so he'll, you know, describe it to me. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. Or I use a variety of tools at my disposal, if you will. Um, when it comes to the battle scenes, I will actually set up my iPhone and I'll record and I'll just take my, one of my son's old toy swords from when he was little and I will try to <laughs> imitate the battle scene. And I'll really, I think okay. that's good because th that, those can be some of the most complex things to write. You know, you're talking about in-depth character and stuff like that, but if you're trying to talk about a, a sword fight or a gun battle or even just a fisticuffs, right? Yep. It has to be real. You have to put the reader in it, reader immersion. But at the same time, you have to have the person not swinging five fists at the, unless they just happen to have those, I suppose. And, and, the, and especially if you add multiple people to a battle, then you got to keep track of where everybody's stuff is, right? Oh yeah, and it's it's like my son would have like action figures he didn't get rid of yet when he was little. So I, you know, there's the action figures they come out of the box. <laughs> no, I love it. I love that idea. There's some brat stalls that have had some very inappropriate things happen in you know, to to make sure that we knew where. I like making Vanessa, like, see, I found the line to make Vanessa lose it, so that was good. Brad's dolls. I'll send you photos, Vanessa. It'll be good. <laughs> As a writer, what do you think your bad habits are? Like, what are your writer bad habits? So I found, um, I in the last book that I put, my editor caught that I had changed a person's name. John and Noah. It's Noah, by the way, when anybody reads the book. But it apparently I changed it to John at some point and then had to change it back to Noah. What are your bad habits? Um, I think sometimes I get too caught up in the point of view. So I will tend to use a lot of point of views um, within the chapter. So that's probably one of my bad habits because I will take that chapter and that scene, for example, and I'll portray it from one angle and then I want to shift it to a different person. Mm. Do you feel like how many POVs or maximum POVs have you ever had in one story? Because that, that can be very challenging if you tend to have more than two. Having that balance and making sure is this is this the right character to be portraying this or explaining what's happening in the scene because it has to have a purpose for why you're choosing that person correct i usually try to stay with two but sometimes i went to three three mm -hmm. no that's just, that takes... just because that chapter was so significant and heavy it really took three points of view because it was in that partic particular chapter it was like 
three different races, for example. Mm -hmm. It was a demon, a witch, and a vampire, and they were all together, but it, they all had a different prophecy in mind. Hmm. A demon, a witch, and a vampire walk into a bar. <laughs> it's better than changing the light bulb. <laughs> mm. Okay, let's talk about editing for a little bit. So Vanessa, I'm going to preface that Vanessa is an editor, just so that we have forewarning when we get horribly offensive to her. Um, the, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what was the editing process for you like? You've had such a great experience with your publishing and stuff. What was the editing process like? Um, Maxine has been my editor for all of my books with World Castle. And um, so she knows the storyline. So that's been a big help. I don't think I would have been as, success, as successful as I am if I had multiple different editors. Um, but because I've always had Maxine, she's been with me from the very first book in the series to the third book plus the novellas. So she knows intimately the characters, where I'm going with it. And you, and I'm sure like it also helps that for you working as long with her for all these books that you have you're not afraid. She's not afraid to tell you her true feelings about it. And then you are okay with receiving whatever her feedback is, whether you agree with it or not. And I think that's, that's amazing. Like, cause I feel like a lot of people tend to think the editor's trying to change their voice or anything. And it's like, no, they just want your vision, but to make it stronger and better. And, and that sort of sounds like the kind of relationship you have with your editor. I, I look at Maxine's purpose is to take my vision and amplify it so mm -hmm. that it is easily understood. People will follow the prophecy. They'll fall in love with the storyline. You know, her job is to really help me amplify it even more than I have already done on my own. Mm -hmm. have, have you had anybody dress up as your characters yet and come see you at a convention? Um, I had a couple people, but they did it just for a Halloween party. Ooh. Okay. That's very cool. I feel like that's one of the biggest compliments you can get as a writer when people want to dress as your characters. Yeah, I think the way they wanted to do it is just because, you know, like Chloe, for example, has black hair, but, you know, when she became pregnant, it's like she ended up with a white streak. And her witch powers were being amplified by the pregnancy. So it's like they wanted to portray that. They just loved that, con you know, that context I put her in. Plus, Chloe comes from the long line of witches from Salem. And so she comes from Sarah Good, one of the first uh, witches of the Salem Trials. Mm. So I did That's a lot of history on Sarah Good. <laughs> I was going to say, and the research continues. Have you yeah. ever gone to Salem? Uh, not yet. I want to go to Salem. That's one of my bucket lists. I was actually supposed to go this year, and then there's COVID. Have you found it? harder yeah. or easier or the same to write during this time um it's been the same but it's like you know i still i was supposed to go to scotland this year and so i'm pushed it to next year i'm like okay hope and pray hope and pray <laughs> i was supposed to go to ireland too in june and that's pushed off to yeah see i was supposed to go to ireland, ireland separate trips but yeah march for st patrick's together. it was it was sad <laughs> Yeah. I mourned it. I mourned that trip so bad. 
No, totally. But so it hasn't affected your writing as much. Are you working from home? Or are you still in the office or? My IT career allows me to work from home before COVID. So this was nice. So you're already used to doing this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. When you're not doing COVID and stuff like that, um, do you do the convention circuits at all? Do you, how many in-person events do you do with your book series? Um, I've done a couple. Um, mostly it's just been small events that they would have like in Tampa at one of the smaller hotels. Um, but it's, you know, there's a lot of logistics involved in that. No, totally. I, I love, I love meeting um, people at conventions and meeting the mm -hmm. fans and stuff like that. I always think it's really interesting. Do you um, do public readings of your books at all? Um, not of the books, but I do public speaking engagements on a variety of topics. So getting you to go up and read your books that hasn't happened yet? Not yet. Well, we're going to have to make that happen. I think that <laughs> sounds like a fabulous, fabulous thing to do. So um, are you going to use, this is an interesting topic. Do you have a different name on your children's books than you do on your paranormal? No. No. Oh, wow. wow. That's interesting. What it's about, my name. It, it is your name, but a lot of times crossing genres becomes an interesting thing for fans. Are you looking at using your name when you do the historical romance? Yes. I figured like, it's I, my game. I, I just don't even care. I just figured, you know, it's, it's the name I was given. It's my work. I got to be proud of it. I have ownership. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked about your covers a little bit. Um, how much final say do you have with your books on them going out? Like if you get the edits and stuff, how much final say do you have? In terms of? Well, a lot of times publishing companies, they have the final say on what it is. Like they go, this is what we're changing it to. Do you have final say to go? No. Yeah, I, I mean, she hasn't come back and changed any of the titles. She hasn't done any of that. She's like, you know, she really gives that empowerment, which is why I love Wolf Castle. It's like, it's that empowerment feeling. And, um, you know, so it's like with the editing, it's, you know, Maxine, for example, will give her advice and her critique and all of that. You know, in the end, it's okay up to me to change it or not change it. And most of the time I change it because it's constructive feedback for me to grow as an author and to be better than what I am right now. Very so I'm one cool. of those weirdos. What about, you talked a little bit on the previous podcast about your fans. How much do your fans influence any plots in the book? Other than you need to give us more of these, how much have they influenced the actual plots in the books? Um, usually not much. They, they like where it's going. They haven't really said, I wish you didn't do that. But I'm sure as fans read uh, Queen's Extension, they might be, you know, not so happy with one of the characters, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> And do your characters, because um, you're a pantser, do your characters guide you a lot? Or do you already know where it's going? Have you gone like left because the character went, I'm going to go this way with what you're doing? I let the characters lead. So sometimes I'll start writing and I have this vision in my head. But as I get through a scene and the character went through something and I'm like, oh, you know what? I got to change this now because we took a little detour. No, that makes sense. Do you, um, 
you feel like your characters talk to you? A lot of authors tell me their characters kind of like talk with them and sometimes they struggle with them to get them back on the rails from where they want them to go. I have them sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Cricket. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. One of my other questions is how avid of a reader of your genre are you? Um, now, because you said you used to, and then you wrote this, are you back to being an avid reader in your genre? Not as much. I, I really prefer historical or historical fiction books um, in addition to action. So that's, that's probably my preferences. Um, I mean, once in a while I will read um, something from the paranormal genre, but most of the time I stick with the historical stuff. Very cool. What about newsletter lists and stuff? Um, you talked about um, talking to readers on Facebook. Do you have an active newsletter? Uh, yes, I do. Very cool. Um, it goes out once a month. And we had just in September uh, with the release of Queen's Ascension in August, we announced a very exclusive contest. And this is open to the loyal fan base who have read the books, know the characters, knows what happened, to answer some questions. And the contest is really for, there's gonna be two winners. And these two winners are gonna work exclusively with me to create several characters in book four. Oh, wow. I'm gonna work with Steven to kind of design the characters so that we have character art and those things. So they're gonna get an in-depth working experience with my team. And me. Well, that's going to be book four. And not to mention, they're going to get, you know, the dedication and all that stuff. But it's, it's, it's open till Halloween. And then in November, we'll draw the two winners. So there's still time to read the books, but you got to read the books to enter the contest to see how familiar you are with the series to know the characters in order in order to help create some additional characters for book four. Wow, it's like character trivia, we can we can do trivia of the blood prophecy. Yep. Who came up with the list of questions that you're asking to see how big of a fan they are? I did. Wow. Wow. I hope you picked some of your really fun questions to ask them. I, I did, and it's stuff that you really have to read the books and know the characters to really answer. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is awesome. Well, very cool. Okay, well, we're coming to the end of our Literary Briefs episode. So, um... What is the name of the next book that's coming out? Is Blood Prophecy 4, The Rise of the Hunter. The Rise of the Hunter. When is that due out? Um, as soon as I finish it and submit it over to Karen, and then it goes through the editing process, which doesn't take long. So I'm hoping within two years or less. Oh, very awesome. Very awesome. But they can always sign up for your newsletter to keep up to date on the details. Oh, yes. They do, and, and um, there's always a giveaway at least once a month. Oh, very cool. And so tell people how to find you. Um, it's on Facebook uh, for the Blood Prophecy book, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and the website www.bloodprophecy.com. And yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. You have been wonderful. Thank you so much Thank for being so here. Much. Very cool. Okay, well, this has been Drinking with Authors. I guess this is Barb Jones. I'm Erica Lance. And we will see you next time.